and welcome. Hello. Welcome back to episode five. Episode five. That's of, almost 10. That's almost And that's 10. almost 100. Holy crap. We are prolific. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is Shuffle Buddies. Happy Inauguration Day. Happy Inauguration Day. Oh, I feel just like lighter today. I feel a little bit less worried about the general state of things. Still worried, but less worried. Still worried. I mean, I'm in a constant state of worry, but less. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I can take a little bit of a deeper breath. Feels yeah. very nice. I I was busy over lunch today, so I didn't watch the inauguration, but I have been going back and watching it in clips and listening to the news about it. And uh, Amanda Gorman, the poet that spoke, yeah. I think her poem was called The Hill We Climb. And I mean, you came into my office because you worked here today. You came into my office right after I watched it and I was just crying. Like I literally just started crying as soon as she started speaking. She's 22 years old. Mm -hmm. I think she just graduated Harvard or is currently a senior at Harvard. And in 2017, she was named the nation's first youth poet laureate. Oh, okay. So she is a powerful force but it was just like just all the emotions of just like what today is and then just seeing her up on that stage that they've erected up there and she was just so powerful and strong and vulnerable and it was just like everything and just seeing her up there I just started crying right away I had to watch (laughs) it twice because I was just crying too much the first time I watched it it was just she was really something. It was something. It, yeah. it is the one thing that I did watch at this point. I've oh, been yeah. busy today too, but I did manage to watch Did you that. go back and watch it after you saw me? It was after <laughs> like you. Like crying. Yeah. You're like, wow, I have to watch this. <laughs> I don't think it was because you were crying, but I did. I did. I mean, people have been pointing to it and saying it was really powerful. It was like when I was starting my lunch break. So I was starting to eat and then I just started crying and I was still trying to eat. And I was like, this is horrible. <laughs> like just when you choking on your food. When you're just crying and eating. <laughs> Uh, just cry eating over lunch, but it was it was good tears. Yes, it was very happy tears. It's, it makes me hopeful for the future and just very inspiring. Speaking of crying, oh yeah, happy crying, but crying. Yeah, I have been playing a new video game that oh. I've been very into, which you've seen me play a couple. I times. I have seen you. I haven't seen you happy cry though. I got frustrated a couple times. That's why. So anyway, I've been playing. <laughs> so just like frustrated crying. Yeah, I've been playing a game called Hollow Knight. By mm-hmm. Team Cherry, which... Very cute. It is very cute. And it's also really old. Not really old, but like it's been out for several years at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is a 2D Metroidvania Dark Souls-like game. Metroidvania is like you start with no powers and you slowly unlock abilities and powers that let you explore further. So the, it's kind of an open world, but you can't quite access it yet. So as you level mm. up and get a double dash ability and stuff like that, you can kind of more, explore more and more and more. And it's very Souls-like because when you collect experience and when you die, you lose it all. Oh, okay. And then you have to return to your body to collect it again. But it doesn't look like Demon Souls at all. No, it doesn't look like it, but it's very much inspired by that philosophy like of that game design. Of In fact, game. even the story is very Demon Soulsy. Really? And, well, I mean, it's called Hollow Knight. You know. You yeah, know I guess. Yeah. You're aware of the Hollows. I am. I am because I'm always just like, why don't they have a face? <laughs> <laughs> well, Hollow Knight doesn't have a face either. But it's it's a little too, or it's not a little, but it's a 2D game. 
mm-hmm. where you're this little cute. You're actually Bugs. I don't know if you knew that. Oh, that's right. It is kind of. He does look kind of like a beetle. He like is his, a little beetle. Like yeah. his horns look beetle-esque. Because yeah. when I first think of it, I always think he looks like a bunny. They're yeah, not ears like sticking up. They're kind of horns. Yeah. So it's a it's this little undead world of bugs. Mm-hmm. Um, and so everything you do is kind of at a small microscopic level. Not microscopic. Bugs aren't microscopic. But <laughs> his sword is like a needle or a nail. Oh, it's yeah. a physical nail. And so you're running around this world. It's just a really solid platforming game that came out a while ago and i've started it a couple times and it never hooked me just because i didn't play it it has a slow start and i didn't play it enough yeah but i finally for some reason just because it's always recommended to me especially because i love dark souls games and demon souls and bloodborne and all those kind of games it's always recommended to me and i'm always like yeah i know i should but i haven't and then finally i sat down and played it and i'm like i'm gonna give this a really fair shot and i played through up to the first boss and i beat the first boss and then i was just like I'm in mm-hmm. and I have been playing it a lot since. Nice. Yeah, I remember seeing uh, one of the bosses because I did remember it was at like a bug level because I remember one of the bosses was like a dung beetle. Yes. And it was <laughs> hilarious. I can't remember what his name is. The dung. He's like the dung defender or something like that. <laughs> and he's got like a he's like a big muscle. He kind of reminds me of a bodybuilder with the Swedish like, chef. <laughs> yeah. He's got like the <laughs> Swedish chef kind of laugh or something. <laughs> Oh, that's uh, awesome. It's a very cute looking game. It's very cute. It's all almost like sepia tone, black and white. There is some color later on, but especially it it's starts muted. out very muted and black and yeah. white. Um, the sound is kind of annoying as somebody who sits and reads in the room while you're playing. <laughs> it is repetitive. There's just a couple enemies that have just horrible call and response type Well, it's been noises. just like going through the levels too. There's just like... I know, but it, that one time I was in the same level for a long time because that's one of the places I was very stuck. And there was okay. this certain zombie bug who I'd cut in half and then his top half flies at you and his bottom half runs at you. And he makes just like a really obnoxious noise. And even the first time I saw it, I was like, oh, that's obnoxious. And then I was <laughs> thinking about over it. And over yeah. and over and over. But it's so expertly designed. I'm not finished with it, but I can already tell it's a masterpiece of a game. And it's cute and it's fun and it's dark. It's really difficult, which is why I said I was crying about it. But it's fairly oh. difficult. I mean, it's by fairly difficult. I mean, it is fair and difficult. So okay. I, what I actually described it as was it's hard until it's easy. And you'll fight a boss and fight it and lose instantly and instantly and instantly. But the time you beat it, you do it flawlessly and perfectly because you have just like internalized it and it just comes out You've perfectly. been training for this moment. Yeah. It does feel like that. And then yeah. when you do it, it feels re- earned and it feels like a big reward and you get to unlock the next area and move on and see new stuff. So I've nice. been really into Hollow Knight. Nice. Yeah. Speaking of training for this moment, <laughs> uh-huh. that's a good segue, right? Yeah, I don't know. Um, sure. <laughs> yeah, I guess you'll see. I have been training for this for a very long time as a fan of hockey. (laughs) I am participating in a fantasy hockey league for the very first time. I've never done that before. (laughs) I feel so so nerdy. I know it's so sporty, but I used to play hockey when I was younger and it's the one sport that I, I really do enjoy. I enjoy college hockey and pro hockey. It's fun to watch on TV, which doesn't isn't always the case. It's fun to watch in person. I remember there was even a time where I had like serious satellite radio in a car and I listened to like the NHL channel the whole time and I got so <laughs> smart about hockey. Like I knew everything. And so my friend Jenna, she sent me a text and she was like, hey, do you want to join this fantasy league? And I was like, 
uh, sure, I'll see what that's like. And so I had no idea what I was getting into, but I think I'm finally figuring it out. And I won my matchup last week, mm-hmm. and I'm currently winning my matchup this week. But it's so funny because like mainly everybody I chose were all the names that I remember from back when I had the Sirius radio. Yeah. And it, I, so I think all my players are really old, <laughs> which are which by really old, I mean my age or a couple years younger, which yeah. is ridiculous. But they're all doing really well. Is there money on the line? Uh, no, unfortunately. she Because I think she was asking like, hey, do we want to put five or ten in to, you know, into the pot? And then everyone's like, yeah, I'm cool with whatever. And she's like, yeah, okay, we'll just go for bragging rights. And so, hmm, I know. Be... I wish there was a little bit of money on the line. I know. I do feel like that would add a little bit of excitement. A little extra. I could, I could fork up ten bucks. Yeah, it just makes everything a little bit more high A little stakes. more interesting. But I've never participated in any fantasy sports. But yeah, it's really easy now because I feel like it used to be like if you did it in person, there was somebody that had to keep track of all this stuff. Yeah. Holy moly. I'm like moving people from my bench into like the position so they I can get their points for the night. Um, if they have a game and there's like and I can get new people if I want to. And the draft itself to start took like two hours. Yes. With the app. <laughs> and so it's just like I chose a person and then it goes to the next person and they choose somebody and then the next person chooses somebody and each person has like a minute and a half mm-hmm. to make their choice. And sometimes they would take the whole time. Even though it's like they had ample amount of time in between to pick their person. I'm sure this is not a um, new comparison, but even just describing that, it reminds me of like starting a D&D campaign. I could see that. And just being like, all right, it's character creation night and everyone has to come. And if people don't kind of come at least a little bit prepared, it's Mm going to be like, all right, what, you know, like which race do you want to be and they're like well let me read about each one and you're yeah. like oh my gosh okay it's like, why didn't you figure this out beforehand yeah well hopefully you <laughs> will come back as the champion you report I'm back i'm very excited i'm really i even bought the nhl package on my oh, i know Roku. you have been watching it yeah like, which oh. the thing that sucks though is because it does like local blackouts and so i can't watch any minnesota wild games which is our local team for anybody who doesn't know? <laughs> oh, they black it out, so you yeah, have to watch locally. it on like network TV or something. Yeah, you have to watch it on local TV. Oh. Or I think at the core of it, they really wanted to encourage you to go to the game, which I feel like is a little classist. First yeah. of all, because that those tickets are expensive, and second of all, we're in a pandemic. Yeah, <laughs> like I can't go to the game. Also, there's so few people who can go to the game compared to who would oh, watch yeah. it on TV. So I that whatever. So frustrating, and it's like you know what? Can we lift the restrictions? You've already changed up everything for this short pandemic season. Can we just lift the blackout rules, or else I'm going to have to become a Winnipeg Jets fan. That would be horrible. Ridiculous. I assume I have no idea who they Bunch are. Bunch of BS. <laughs> I mean. But I'd still cheer them on. They're pretty cool. Seems I could keep sense. talking about this. Chris is just <laughs> looking at me with a blank face. <laughs> He's I, like, uh, sports. <laughs> I feel like I had the perfect segue like two minutes ago when we were talking about becoming the champion. Well, I hope I become the champion, well, earn those bragging rights, and uh, earn some money next year. Well, we all became the champion the other night. <laughs> when, <laughs> when we played. We were so good at segues. <laughs> we don't even write these down. Uh, well, when we Christmas. played, I did not. <laughs> but when we played, I wouldn't say it's a new game, but it's a new game for us called Rumble Nation. <gasps> fun. Which it is, was so fun. Yeah, it was really good. It was it was a success. It's uh, Rumble Nation by Yogi Shinichi, and it's published by Hobby Japan. 
And it's actually a game I picked up in Japan a while ago mm-hmm. on a previous trip. Mm-hmm. And it sat there unplayed mainly because you need three or four players. Um, Those are always just a little harder. It is a little bit harder, especially since the pandemic. Right. Um, it, it has English rules included, but just the fact that it is a Japanese game sometimes, um, you know, and I can't, I always come back from Japan with like a lot of games mm-hmm. <laughs> or do I might've got this in Korea, but. Do you bring an extra suitcase? I, well, last time I was in Korea, I bought a suitcase and <laughs> just for my board games that I brought back. Nice. Um, yeah. So I, I did pick it up overseas and I haven't got to play it until now, but we sat down and played it and instantly I think we had a ton of fun. It was super fun. Yeah, and it's just a, a simple dice rolling area control game. You play as warlords vying for control of Sengoku era Japan. It's just a board divided up into sections mm-hmm. or a maps divided up into sections. And you randomly place out these numbered um, tokens that represent how much each area is worth. And yep. they're, they're two Numbers to 12. two through 12. Yep. yep. And then you all start with a number of cubes. And on your turn, I actually would describe this as can't stop the war game. It's- I could see that because it is based on the numbers that you create with the dice. Yeah. Can't Stop is a push your luck dice game that is really simple. You just roll some dice, divide them up into groups and try and move up mm-hmm. these tracks. This is like Can't Stop the War game because you roll these two dice. You are limited by where you can place by what the dice result is. But it's mm-hmm. it's an uproarious event like Can't Stop can be because when you roll your two dice... Two of the dice determine which zone you can put it in. So, for Mm -hmm. instance, if you roll a four and a five, you can place in Mm -hmm. zone nine. And the other dice determines how many cubes you can place there, um, one, two, or three cubes. But you roll all three of these dice at once, and you decide what dice is going to be the one dice and then what two dice are going to be combined together to find your zone. Right. So you have three options. Which one's the most important you place out the cubes and then you just move on and you just keep going around the table until everyone's put all their cubes out. The one wrinkle is there are tactic cards, which allow you to do very subtle and simple things per game. Each player can do a one tactic per game, but they and became really important. once they really do important. the tactic, no one else can do it. It's like yeah. basically they pick up that card and yeah. that's the one tactic. They can perform once during that game. And then once you have all assigned your cubes, you go through the zones two through 12. So first you resolve zone two Mm -hmm. and you say who has majority whoever has majority claims that two token which is worth two points so not a lot of points but by the time you get to zone 12 it's a ton of points but in addition to that Mm -hmm. i get to reinforce in any adjacent zone that's the thing so that is the huge thing so you can look at the board before you start resolving things and be like oh cool well i'm in the majority in like four of these zones right so you might not start in the majority in some zones but you know that if i win this area i'll win this area and that will overflow into this area and then i'll win that area and you want to win early on yeah, winning so those dice is... start going out into the later zones yeah. that will be resolved. So what happens if you can do it properly, if you really are sneaky and you put together, or if you just get lucky, I guess, <laughs> it becomes a tidal wave. And the person who wins here is just going to reinforce and reinforce and reinforce. But there's always, I don't know how there's unknown, but there's always, you know, I guess because you can't choose where you're going to place, you're like, I need to place in zone eight and that would make me win the entire game. Mm-hmm. But you're still at the whim of the dice rolls, so you, maybe you can't. So in every game we had, and especially as we went on, there became a lot of standing dice roll final rolls like, ooh, can I get one more unit in this yeah. spot? Well, and also 
just because you have you win one zone and you're pl- you have more reinforcements go into other zones, that doesn't mean you automatically win those other zones because other people could still have yep. more warriors there, more blocks there. Yep. Or you could tie them, and ties are broken by who finished first. Yep, the first person to place all their cubes out gets a token that breaks ties in their favor, and there's a four sword, three sword, two sword, and one sword. So if you're the last person out... You get to see what everyone else did and react to it, yeah. but you also lose every You'll always tie. lose ties. Yeah. It's, a really, it's a big deal. It's a really simple game. It is. It's so much fun. And maybe I'm thinking it's so much fun just because like, I did create a tidal wave <laughs> the last game we played, I think, yeah. and I won. I think mm-hmm. we played it three times and all three of us won Yep, we each once. won once. But I won the last one and it was like a perfect tidal wave Mm -hmm. and it was amazing it's really fun i I do it's like a party war game like i said can't stop the war game you could play it in a bar or something oh yeah i think that's why i like it so much real chill yeah (laughs) and i like just like whenever i the tactileness of just like rolling the dice and then grabbing your pieces slapping them down on the board you just pass the dice to the next player they roll it put their pieces on the board it just has a nice quickness to it that makes it really fun and then also Depending on how the chips fall, like you could just think you had a great plan and then just lose completely, but it's okay mm-hmm. because like it's fun to see how that works out and it only took you 10 minutes. Yep. Like the investment is so low that there can't be really any hurt feelings in this game. <laughs> the amount of luck kind of mitigates how painful it is to lose and, and how quick mm-hmm. it is too. Yeah. Speaking of that, and I don't want to go into detail on this one, but I did play this game called The King is Dead 2nd Edition which is by Peter Sylvester and published by Osprey Games. Mm -hmm. And I really want us to play this all together. I feel like it is the flip of a coin to Rumble Nation, where Rumble Nation is uproarious and like what could happen and stuff like that, where The King is Dead 2nd Edition is a very similar concept. Mm -hmm. You're placing cubes out to control areas across England, Mm -hmm. but... It kind of has a perfect information system. There's no randomness. You're just reacting to the board and trying to engineer the perfect victory where you will where you will gain majorities and win. Um, And so it was really funny because the presentation was really similar. Some of the ways that even the components and everything worked and looked are very similar between the two games, but they couldn't be more different. And I just thought it was really interesting because we played them back to back. Um, mm. I played The King is Dead 2nd Edition with Ryan, and then the next day we played Rumble Nation. And oh, I was just like, okay. oh my gosh, this is such a weird... They also both have small footprints. There's just a lot of similarities between everything about them, except for how the mechanisms work. So mm. I guess that's a pretty big difference. But cool. um, I want to have you play it because I really want to try it with more with different player cards. I would love to see it and kind of do the contrast and compare. And it also can be a quick, simple game as well. So I would love to come back to that. I like those, yeah. Sorry, I zoned out there. I was uh, enjoying my white wine. Um, it's a new one from Marlborough, New Zealand. <laughs> it's not it's new. It's always new. I usually do uh, dry Januarys, but um, I had to open up a bottle for cooking. <laughs> it asked for like half a cup of wine, and I was like, "Oh, I have wine." They're like a half a cup of wine or water, and I was like, "Well." I mean, wine has more flavor than water, and I have it, so I should just <laughs> use wine. But now I have an open bottle of wine, and I don't want it to go I bad. Mean, what are you going to do? I'm not going to let it go bad. This bottle of wine costs 10 bucks. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's a fortune. I'm breaking my rules, but I'm only having a glass here and a glass there. 
a glass here at 5.30, a glass there at 6 o'clock, a glass there at 6.30. <laughs> no, no, I've just had a glass every now and then. But I zoned out. I was just thinking about how delicious it was. So oh, nice. It's good. Well, that is totally okay because I was done talking about it. I was just saying I would like to play it at some point. <laughs> I would with love you, to play it. And I want to, you know, have a discussion about how how similar but different they truly yeah. are. Have you been enjoying anything else? Well, I'm still reading the same book as last time. I'm almost done with it, but it's gotten real good. It was so, real good last time. Oh yeah. The uh the library of the unwritten, I think. When when you were having game night and, and I your dad was like, oh, hi. And I was like, hi, I'm reading. He's like, what are you reading? I'm like, it's a book about a library in hell. <laughs> <laughs> now I keep calling it that. So I keep forgetting. Now I'm forgetting the real name, but I think it's the library of the unwritten. I think it's just called the hell library. The hell library. <laughs> uh, but that is still doing very well. Like mm-hmm. a very, very good book. If anybody was on the fence about it, I say read it. It's a good one. Um, we did start watching Warrior. We did start watching I Warrior. I forgot about that. I, don't know I was how like, you what? Forgot about that. That's like I know. It's my much. favorite. <laughs> oh, so good. It's on HBO. Yes, and it's based on the writings of Bruce Lee, and it takes place in like the 1800s, I believe, 1800 San Francisco when they were shipping over mainly Chinese men to work on the railroad. You know, they built up Chinatown in San Francisco, and basically, like, were following the lives of especially two families in san francisco and and also the white people in san francisco you know (laughs) you know there's there's racial tensions and yeah but it is a lot of a lot of fighting a lot of fighting and so good i've never been much of a fan of just like big like when they're just like fighting and sparring and it's like okay okay on to the next scene Mm -hmm. but these fights are amazing like there's it's so much fun to watch and i'm just super drawn into it right now yeah, it is really good. And and so you were saying it, it basically takes place between two warring families in Chinatown. Yeah. You know, the, the Irish are involved and they're very upset because of the, the labor they're losing and stuff like that. So it's just a, like a period piece. But it the thing that's really cool and, it, and you can definitely feel kind of that Bruce Lee vibe mm-hmm. because it has kind of a, a cool kind of 70s retro way of talking even though yeah. it's a period piece like they kind of the say music like feels very 70s. yeah the, the music yeah. and and just like the way they the way they're kind of like a little bit too cool where they're like are you gonna scrap with me or something you know like yeah they, have they kind are of like very a... <laughs> cool like they talk very cool and i remember there was even one like signature bruce lee move that yeah. the, the guy pulled out and you're like oh and now he's gonna do this and then he did it and i was like oh <laughs> Nice. Very yeah. cool. <laughs> yeah. So there's definitely some homages to Bruce yeah. Lee moves, Bruce Lee movies, things like that. But it's a really fun show with mm-hmm. a lot of fights, but also just really good drama. And it's also yeah. has a lot of like social commentary that is um, refreshing, but also just really smart. It's something where it doesn't feel dusty and old. Right. And I think a lot of that is because when you see history, it's usually represented from a Western white lens yeah and so this is just showing it from a different perspective i think that is what really catches me and that's what's really refreshing is being able to see it from a different viewpoint mm-hmm. and just like it just tells a different story it's very interesting and and sometimes bloody very bloody <laughs> oh my gosh but it's good this is definitely one where i always i'm like oh can we do another one can we watch another <laughs> one usually i'm like oh it's time for bed <laughs> but now I'm just like, oh, I could probably fit one more in. 
I could do one more. And it's worth it. So yeah. and it, it only came out last year. It also started on Cinemax and now it's on HBO. Yeah, so there I are definitely some Cinemax-ish moments. Mm, that's true. Yeah, there <laughs> Skinemax-ish. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> but no, I think it's really good. I, I really am enjoying it. And it sounds like I haven't looked ahead, but I think there's already another season to watch. Well, other than that, that's a show we watch together, so I don't. I don't jump ahead without you. But when I don't have you here and I want something to watch or I just, you know, like I cleaned the floors the other night and I kind of had a show on like while I was doing that. And it's a show I found based off those recommendations on Netflix. And it's called The Last Tango in Halifax. (laughs) And I actually thought it was going to be Canadian, but Halifax, England. I guess I assumed it was going to be Halifax. Yeah, Nova Scotia. Yeah. Yeah. But it's so sweet. Oh. I can't even help but smile when I talk about this show because it's so cute. It's just about this, this, these two older people, probably in their 70s. So mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's not a fast, young show. Uh, it's about people in their 70s that they kind of liked each other in their youths in when they were 16. And they kind of lost a connection. And now they're widowers and widows. And these two people, their grandsons each put them on Facebook and they found each other and then they meet up and in the very first episode they meet up and have quite a day together mm-hmm. uh like a, a grand day out a grand day out and like the guy's car is stolen and then the woman is driving him home and they see the car and they go on a chase and then she crashes into it and then they just basically go to a pub to wait. They spend the whole day together and then at the end they decide they're going to get married. <laughs> As you do. First episode. I mean, I guess in your 70s, like why yeah, wait? Like and they true. just kind of found out they were just like still thinking about each other and totally infatuated and they are basically like bringing their families together and the woman's family is a little bit more middle class well off her daughter is like a headmaster of a school and the man is a little bit more rural his daughter owns a farm but to make ends meet she works at like a grocery store like that kind of thing and they each have like grandkids and it's about bringing their families together and just like they're just so happy and in love and it's just there's no stress (laughs) <laughs> like the most stressful moment of the last episode was they were looking for a wedding venue and they got locked inside of this haunted mansion and had that's to pretty stressful the, and had to spend the night there but it was like it was just like creaking you know it wasn't like flying ghosts or anything and and also they were working against time because the guy forgot his heart medicine it's also stressful <laughs> so i was kind of stressed out about that i just i don't want them to die that's the one thing i'm worried about but uh like it's just a very sweet show about old people in love and i i think it's very cute yeah when i'm not watching warrior (laughs) i'm watching the last tango in halifax well speaking of very cute and this is the last thing i'll talk about i love it i'm all i'm excited for it i played a game about prisoners clearing out (laughs) hell (laughs) so cute (laughs) and it is called claustrophobia 1643 i still we need to work on our on your segues i know well i also feel like uh i feel like i constantly come back with like i'm talking about a demon pinball game i'm talking about like a holy crusade where they force prisoners to clear out the depths of hell (laughs) and i'm like i'm talking about two old people in love (laughs) well i'm talking about a board game called claustrophobia 1643 and it is designed by croc 
just crock. Mm. And Laurent Pouchon. That's Ooh. that's the best I can do with French. Um, Pouchon. And it's published by Monolith, which is a company known for making these big, lavish miniatures games. Monolithic games? Monolithic just, miniatures? Just monolith. Well, I know, but I'm just saying. Oh, I see. Monolithic, yes, as a descriptor. Yes. yes. Yep. So it's not just a clever name. Exactly. I understood perfectly. <laughs> Um, it is exactly what I said. The story is this game about this holy redeemer who brings these imprisoned, um, I think they're heretics. I'm not sure why they're imprisoned, but Just they find a portal to hell and then they're like, I guess we better, uh, go down and clear this place out. And so they just send these prisoners in there to fight the, fight the demons of hell. Mm-hmm. And it is a very asymmetric two player only game where one person is playing, the minions of hell and the other one is playing this um, group of four or five humans who venture into hell and it does have big miniatures it does have a very lavish production i'm not like a super miniature person in fact Mm -hmm. i prefer not to have miniatures when i can have a beautiful wooden block or something yeah or in the perfect case root has cute animal meeple things those are like the best components of all but these have big crazy miniatures of demons and all that kind of stuff that's not why i bought it but it is part of it (laughs) it's really cool because it's an asymmetric scenario based combat game but it has a lot of kind of strategy aka euro mechanisms driving the action the humans are really pretty straightforward you can just move and attack and things like that and they're they're really the straightforward faction but the demons, you roll these dice every turn, and then you assign these dice to this almost like console mm-hmm. or player board of different abilities and actions. And you need either combinations of numbers or colors of dice, and you slot them into this board. And once you slot these dice, you activate them, and they do things like allow you to summon more units or power up your units or do a, a, a variety of things. Like I said, it's very asymmetric. So basically the premise is the humans are strong and can cut down minions like crazy. And the minions of spawn can just throw out tons and tons of units and continually respawn and continually advance. The games themselves, like the the scenarios, are really pretty short once you know what you're doing. So I think you're meant to kind of play as the humans and then play as the, the minions of hell. It is a really interesting game that I really enjoy. I played it with Ryan, Mm -hmm. and we played games back to back to back to back. And I, since the demons are more complex, you really need to understand the game better to play them. Uh I played the demons, and then Ryan would play the humans, but I kept beating him. And he was like, this is impossible. And I think I beat him like four times. And then I'm like, it's not impossible. Let's switch spots or whatever. So then I took the humans, and then I just like crushed him. And then he (laughs) saw that it was possible. It was just through strategic play and excellent demonic skill that you can achieve your goals in claustrophobia so anyway we played probably there was one night it was the night that you were probably mopping your floors yes we played like six hours straight of claustrophobia Holy crap. <laughs> just like six six games back to back or something like that um wow and we really got good at it it's just a really fun thematic game but it does have more going on than just kind of like moving guys around and rolling dice to see who hits there's a lot more strategic thinking where you're kind of like where you're yeah where you're using your dice in ways to kind of like surprise your opponents and trigger abilities or save them up sometimes and then come out hard next time um it's a really cool game i wish it i actually wish it wasn't such a 
lavish production because it is a freaking table hog. Like yeah. the tiles are like, oh geez, they might be like five by five or six by six or something. And you're laying out this dungeon as you explore it. And it like literally took the table. And sometimes we would make, we probably made non-ideal choices just because we were literally out of table space to go in the direction we wanted to go. So we would just be like, all right, I'm going to explore this way instead because I can't even go anymore that way. And then just because there's so many miniatures, it's a really expensive production. But Mm -hmm. given the chance, I would definitely play it. I'm glad I own it. But I also played so much of it that I might be like, I'm really good on claustrophobia for a while. But it's such a unique theme and just a really interesting game that um, it was really good to get it to a table again because I haven't played it in probably a year or two or maybe even three. Wow. So that was claustrophobia. Wow. Yeah, whenever I hear miniatures, I just think of giant killer robots and I instantly tune out. <laughs> Apologies. Because <laughs> that game just ruined stuff like that for me. Well, you, you, uh, liked, you like Wildlands, though. That's kind of similar. Wild, it's not my favorite, though. I like it, but I don't. We can talk about Wildlands some other time. <laughs> well, we should. I have thoughts on Wildlands. Okay. Well, we should sometime. <laughs> we should. We could also talk about giant killer robots. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need to do that. How about we move away? How about we don't How do about that? we move away from the minions of hell and the giant robots fighting and we go to a beautiful ball? Lovely. <laughs> Let's go to the Rococo ball. <laughs> So the ball we're going to (laughs) takes place in our featured game this week, which is called... Takes place in our minds. Well, it kind of is in our minds. Yeah. This week, we're going to be talking about Rococo Deluxe Edition. Ooh, I didn't know it was deluxe. You couldn't tell it was deluxe? Well, I mean, it sure looks deluxe. It does look deluxe, But I didn't know that was built into the name. Mm Mm-hmm. Rococo Deluxe Edition came out in 2020, and it is designed by Matthias Kramer, Stefan Malls, and Louis Malls. Louis. And I didn't even look at that. I guess they might be related. Yeah. Interesting. The artist is the ever-popular Ian O'Toole, and it's published by Eagle Griffin Games. So Rococo is about dressmakers, or I should say, what would you say, outfit makers? I don't think that takes in the big picture. It's because it's like the dressmakers just play one part in it. But it's a big It's part. about prepping for a big ball. It is about prepping for a big ball. But... Got to go to the modiste. I learned that word from Bridgerton. <laughs> 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 yes. In Rococo, you are prepping for a big ball. I would say you play as tailors. I think when it's described, you, you actually play as the tailors. Who... Do tailors decorate rooms, though? Well, let's get to that. We'll get there. Okay, yeah. we'll get there. So, I'm, I'm cool with you saying it's about tailors. It's about tailors. Making outfits for a ball. Making outfits for a ball. That's the main gist of Rococo. Just to give you an idea of how Rococo plays, the game plays over seven rounds. And every round, you're going to choose three employee cards from your hand. You start the game with five cards. You can get more later. But you choose three employees. Each employee has a level either, let's see if I can get this, an apprentice a journeyman or a master, which translate to bronze, silver, and gold. That's what I was going to say. I was like, eh, bronze, silver, gold. But each one has a different level of uh, expertise. You are going to use these employees to take actions. And of course, apprentices or bronze can't do everything that a gold master can do. So the level of employees dictate what actions you can take in the game. So after each player chooses three cards, you proceed around the table, playing employees one at a time and performing their actions. 
And like I said, you are mainly tailors. So let's start mm-hmm. with the tailor actions. Mm-hmm. The first thing you can do is acquire resources, mm-hmm. which are things like silk and thread and lace, lace, which you'll use to create your garments. Mm-hmm. You can also tailor garments. There's a, a row of dresses or i should say a row it's of like a garments. recipe fulfillment it is a recipe there's I, a row that's of... i learned something <laughs> there is a row of garments and you need to choose one that you want to you need you have to, ch- to fulfill its recipe you need to fulfill its recipe <laughs> so if it costs two green silk a pink silk and a and a lace and a lace yep. you have to pay those and then you get to build the dress when you build the dress you get to choose if you want to sell it immediately for big bucks. Big bucks. Or do you want to actually place it on the board in one of the five ballrooms, which is going to be worth points? At the end of the game, you're going to score who has created the most garments per ballroom. Mm-hmm. So you are getting the points that the dress is worth as <gasps> who well has as majority who has the in majority the ballroom. in the ballroom. It's a war. It is a war. It's basically the it's same. It's a fashion as war. Yeah. Rumble Nation. Basically. So you can tailor a garment. You can also hire a new employee. Every round, there's four new employees you can hire. And if you collect a new employee, you get to add it to your hand and you will get to play it that round. Mm -hmm. So you actually get one more turn than you would have otherwise. If you're not into hiring employees, you can depute an employee. Fire them. We did always say they were fired, which was a hilarious (laughs) ongoing joke. But (laughs) Hilarious. Hilarious. It's an inside joke. No one knows. It's an inside joke, yeah. Uh, But... (laughs) deputing an employee actually i did look this up what you're actually doing is you are sending your well-trained employee to the king's court and the king is paying you for that and that's why you're getting money when you fire them when you're deputing them we just thought it was like some fancy french word for firing yeah (laughs) (laughs) you can fund a decoration Mm -hmm. when you fund a decoration you are paying for different decorations on the board basically sponsoring a room sponsoring a room yeah, there's sponsoring other... a booth at the tech conference <laughs> yep you're spot <laughs> we could reskin this as like some sort of app <gasps> development oh my gosh <laughs> totally when you fund a decoration though you are putting a they're called trademark tokens you're putting one of your color tokens on mm-hmm. a decoration somewhere on the board which does a variety of things it gives you points it can gain you income between rounds also, very importantly, it will break majorities in case of ties. So funding a room will help swing that room in your favor. It'll break ties in your favor. Oh, yeah. It will break ties. I mean, I think we all understood what you were saying, but I'm just being pedantic. <laughs> all right. The last thing you can do is claim the queen's favor. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just laughing because he looked out at his paper <laughs> like four times. He was like, up, down, up, down, up. Uh, the queen's favor. <laughs> well, it's the trickiest one because when you claim the queen's favor, you see, you take the queen's favor token. Yep. You get $5. Yeah, you do. And it makes you start player next round. Yeah. It's not that complicated. It is not that complicated. <laughs> but only silver or gold can do that, right? Right. It's true. I, I did... always, for some reason, I always get that mixed up. I always think that you have to be gold level status to get the queen's favor. Yep. And I, and I did mention that. You know, apprentices can't do as much as masters. And this Mm -hmm. is what Casey's talking about. Some of those actions, like acquire resources, any old fool can do that. Right. Some things like tailoring a garment, obviously only a journeyman or a master could do. Correct. But if you're going to go hire a new employee, only a master and no one else. Which makes sense. 
I mean, when you break down the tasks, like yeah. that all makes sense. I mean, you, no, when it you does explain make sense. it like that. I was like, being facetious, but it, it actually does make a lot of sense when you're playing the game. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I didn't know that you were being facetious. <laughs> oh, I kind of was. <laughs> but those are the only actions you can do. So to recap, you can get resources. You can turn those resources into garments. You can hire new people. You can fire people. Mm-hmm. You can put decorations. Depute, yes. <laughs> you can put decorations on the board and you can claim first player. Those yes. are all the actions in the game. Fantastic. Each employee also might have a bonus action, but those are usually just variations on those actions or just something like gain $2 or mm. gain a thread. Or gain money for how many cards you have in your hand. Yes. There are some good actions in there. There are lots of good actions and I was... Yeah, I was. I'm sorry, I still you were like, like, I was gonna say that. Well, it's something we can talk about (laughs) later. But there's all sorts of things. In fact, later in the game, there are even actions that are just end game scoring conditions. Mm -hmm. And so you might want to buy an employee, not even to use it, just to gain an end game scoring condition. I kind of like that those end game scoring condition cards don't come out until the final two rounds Mm -hmm. because it's kind of an indicator of like, let's get serious, let's get real. Right. But as I said, you all take actions until everyone is out of actions. Then the round ends, you collect a little bit of money or income between the rounds, you reset, and you do that seven times. Mm -hmm. And then after seven, you are going to score. You get points for all the halls where you have majority. You get points for any decorations you fund that are worth points. You get points for all the outfits you created that you didn't sell immediately. Mm -hmm. You also, if you funded the beautiful fireworks display that, of course, happens at the end of the ball, you can send any of your garments these are like physical (laughs) just (laughs) embodied garments send one of your embodied garments up to the balcony to watch but only if you place them in the most like the waiting area basically the waiting area which is right next to the king yes so it's it's the most important ballroom of all yes so anyone from the vip section can go up and check out the fireworks and fireworks will double or triple the value of the garments that are on there. It's very important to be seen on the balcony. And it's like, oh, who's that designer on the balcony? Who yeah. are you wearing? You're like, what? I'm going to go buy all their dresses. It's Lady Gaga. Lady Gaga <laughs> in an original Casey Seekman. I have to go <laughs> find her to make me a dress. So that's basically how, <laughs> that's basically how you play Rococo. Uh, it's actually a pretty straightforward game. Mm-hmm. Um and it is actually a re-implementation of a game that came out in 2013. Oh, which is probably not the deluxe edition? It was not deluxe. It's Rococo Garbage Edition. <laughs> <laughs> so let's just talk about the deluxe edition and how deluxe it is. It's... What were your first thoughts upon approaching the table with <sighs> deluxe edition Rococo? It's another huge game. It is another huge it's game. It's big. I mean, I... <sighs> I don't think it needs to be this big. I mean, after playing it, it's fine that it's so big. But it definitely, at first, I was like, ooh, geez, I don't have three hours of my day to carve out (laughs) to try to learn this game. And it took like 45 minutes. It's another one of those big-looking games that turns out to be very light and straightforward. It is a very thematically decorated game. Like Mm -hmm. the borders of the cards are just incredibly intricate. Lots of sconces and scrolls and and fancy gilding and all sorts of different things. Mm -hmm. Um, It is pretty busy and I do think it looks, I think it looks pretty cool. You know what? Honestly, like the art itself doesn't, I'm not awed by it, you know? Yeah. I I think it's fine. Mm -hmm. I think it's fine. It's fancy. It's 
like nice fancy dresses, but it's not something where I'm just like, oh, wow, this is this is super cool. This is like something I haven't seen before. This is really high quality. Um, the production of the game is very nice, very high quality, but the art itself, I'm just kind of like, yeah, okay, that makes you sense. You know, that's a that's an interesting point, and I think a lot of people really make a big deal over uh, Eno Tool's artwork, and I think he is like an amazing designer, mm-hmm. and I think he is really good at making really well suited design and aesthetic choices. Yeah, I don't think he's the strongest illustrator. Okay, and I think he's a much better straight up designer I, I think he's I, one of the best designers i don't think he's one of the best illustrators and i mean that's no like slant against you know tool i think he's a great artist and i think he's a great oh designer. yeah but being both is kind of like one of those unicorns yeah I but do I, think... that does make sense though like it was perfectly apt for the theme of this game yeah like he does a really excellent job but i feel like illustrators could just get like so insanely talented Mm -hmm. and i feel like the illustrations are not at the same level as some of the other production and some of the other design work and i think he does an amazing like i am he i would say he's one of my favorite graphic designers in board games he's Mm -hmm. not one of my favorite illustrators in board Mm -hmm. games Mm -hmm. and i don't want to make anyone mad or anything but yeah and I learned that graphic design is not the same as illustration for games. <laughs> you just learned that right now? <laughs> no, just me. through, just in the process of knowing you and okay. hearing you talk about games. And I understand the difference between that. And I think it's two different jobs. It is and, 100%. I mean, okay, let's, yeah. we're getting way off topic. Okay, but, yeah, let's, yeah. Oh, <laughs> we, I was I mean, about to go way, way off topic. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, let's keep but going. <laughs> as an art instructor and as a product designer and an illustrator, there are some of the most talented illustrators in the world mm-hmm. are the worst graphic designers more often than not possibly so that's a that's a lot to say i'm not trying to be mean to anybody but mm-hmm. it it's is totally those different. two skills do not go hand in hand by any stretch of the imagination and so I, yeah and i think to the unknowings pointing to myself i don't think a lot of people realize that those are two completely different mediums and focuses are it's just two completely different paths mm-hmm because I think we just kind of associate them together. It's basically like, oh, you're an illustrator, so you can do graphic design. Right. Which is absolutely not the case. Yeah. Anyways. That was a huge tangent. <laughs> All that said, my thoughts on Rococo Deluxe Edition is it is a stellar product design. You know, the way that the components work, the yes. shape of like the garments themselves have like a notch on top that you put the you put the trademark token on. Like it yep. it makes usability really nice and easy and it makes sense and the ways the 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 illustrations do blend in with the background so you understand where you're supposed to put these pieces. Yep. Like all of that is really thoughtful and well done. The user experience is very smooth and it's nice. Like they really thought about how people are going to be playing this game. Mm-hmm. Like on one side of the the dress tokens, they have the actual dress and what it costs and the point value. And if you were to sell that dress, how much would you get? And then on the other side, the side that you flip over to put it on the board, it shows the dress, melts into the background, is part of the room, and it still shows the the point value, point value which for it. So you don't point, have to flip right. back and forth. And like, that point, it's only worth points anyway, so it doesn't matter. The yeah. rest of the information is... I'm getting kind of nitpicky here, but like <laughs> that was obviously like very thought through. Like yeah. I just like it when things are thought through. And like a good user experience is a, an experience that you don't notice. So it yeah. is nice to be able to call those things out. And I think Eagle Griffin and Ian O'Toole both really pay a lot of attention to that. Although we sounded very negative. It's just a really big production. Yeah. It is a really nice looking game. Yeah. It's really pretty. It is completely functional. It feels totally appropriate for the theme and for the era. All of those things. It's really cool. I think I kind of like the the box better than like 
the game look. You mean like the insert box? Like just like the nice white box. Oh yeah. It's it a, is nice. It is just it just looks a ve- it looks like it'd be very nice on your shelf. It looks pristine. It's a very nice box. <laughs> okay, next. All right, let's talk about what's inside the box. Okay. So the game. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I cannot freaking win this game. <laughs> and I don't know why. You do you do bad? I did do very bad the first time. You doubled me. That was the learning game though. But do you feel like you do bad because there are things you don't understand about it? I still don't understand those middle sconces. <laughs> I sh- I should do. I mean, I think I just need to pay for one of them because they cost 20, 25, 30. And then I think you get rewarded for having different. You get two points for each different color garment you've created up to four or eight total points. Yeah. And it's just like <laughs> the way they try to visualize that, like underneath the sconces, I think just totally confuses me. I'm just like, what? the what and so i actually never end up investing in those there's probably only been one time where i had enough money to invest in them anyway but i do get a little scared off of those but other than that after that first game i was just like i know how to play this game i just don't know where to put my focus and that's why i think i come from it from the perspective of describing it as tailors because it's just like you need to gather cloth and lace and thread to make dresses Mm -hmm. then you need to tailor your dresses and like that is that's over half the game right that there. is but i think that's very simplistic it's not that simplistic though. i think that's a simplistic way of because it's like am i going to sell this dress am i going to place this dress if i place this dress where do i place this dress yes there are am, more considerations. where do i place it do i place it where i can get rewarded or do i place it in a room where i could have majority and then do i want to you know what like, actually pay for a decoration <laughs> in that room so i'm assured majority like that is there's a lot that <laughs> The unpaid decoration that you were talking about, the statue. Yeah. Which you have oh, never done. That I was talking about earlier. Yeah. Yes. The unpaid statue is not why you lose the game. The no. reason <laughs> that you always lose the game is because you are really not great at the area control part. I'm really not. Every game you have ended you have up in the main ballroom though. and then completely dominating one room. I don't even like completely dominate a room. It's well, like you dominate I... it enough that. It's not worth me fighting over. Yeah. While you lock down that room, I slowly make a foothold in every (laughs) other room. So then I am scoring a bunch of rooms with the same amount of pieces as you would score one of the main rooms. That is true. It's just because you're so annoying. (laughs) Because whenever I do try to just like very narrowly take over a room... Then you just come sweeping in and buy the majority sconce, and then and then you just put one more player there to tie me up, and I'm just like, well, that sucks. You're just so good at that; and well, it's annoying. And I don't think I'm that good at it. It's just that you're not. I'm just so on bad it. at it. <laughs> in fact, like I was saying earlier, I'm area control games are usually not my favorite. This is me not neither. an area control game, but it has a it big has area control element in it. And I'm very bad at that kind of stuff. I'm really good at everything else, like the resource allocation, the recipe fulfillment, mm-hmm. the worker, like just like the deck building worker placement part the of it. The synergy of cards. Yeah, and Yeah, I'm good at that stuff. But then when I have to also think about like where to put these people, that's what I suck at. I've played it three times and lost... All three times. That's okay. <laughs> well, taking losing and being bad out of it out of the equation, I think that it is 
a fairly straightforward game it is. as far as building dresses. Mm-hmm. And then also hiring new employees to do things more effectively. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think the only thing, like the only one area that trips up you and other people is probably building the decorations just because there's more than one type of decoration. And yeah. so the dresses are always like, I'm, I'm going to make this dress. It's going to be worth straight up hard cash. I know awesome. exactly what this is going to be worth. I know that I'm going to get points for it. Like, and I know exactly how many points I'm going to get. Yep. Where the decorations are like, these decorations give you a small amount of points and they tip your influence in this room. The most important decorations that I consider the most important decorations are the kitchen decorations, which give you a steady trickle of income, which is easy to ignore because at the beginning of the game, they don't seem very useful. Yeah, Yeah, It is an investment that pays out over the long term. And it's small little trickles of investment. It trickles in. Yes. And you can also fund room decorations that give you end game scoring like the statues that give you two points per different color outfit up to one set of four Mm -hmm. there's also the decorations of fireworks displays that are going to double outfits so none of them alone are complicated but just the fact that when you fund a decoration you have to look at all these different types and choose i think that's Mm -hmm. probably the most difficult part for a new player to figure out it's kind of like I remember a while ago, and I can't remember what game it was, but it was basically like just like the game of plenty, and you just had to figure out how to spend your stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're still competing for resources and stuff here, but it's basically just like, how am I going to spend my money? Like, how am I going to place my dresses? Like, how am I going to appropriate things? Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm really bad at. And I think it's because of you in our very first game, <laughs> I didn't have a whole lot of dresses out, but I was trying to buy decorations for each room. So I just like owned each room. And they were like, you know, you're not going to get like, if you don't have dresses in there, you don't win the majority of the room. And I was like, oh, well, should I put it somewhere else? And then I just started to not do decorations <laughs> at all, even though you do still get points for them. And I think you would win majority in rooms with just one dress. And if I could just put one more dress in there Mm -hmm. and get the decoration, I think that's what you do a lot. You you just buy the room, you sponsor the room. Yeah. You know, you do the decorations and then you just put one person in there. And that makes it difficult enough that people just don't want to fight back and hopefully they'll you know, eventually they will, but they might just just head off to a different room for a little bit. All I have to do is put one more person in there. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I get feisty when I have my glass of wine, right? For fisticuffs. Well, I didn't realize you were so angry about this game. I feel like no, it's a... it was good. I just can't win it. <laughs> I think it's a very kind of it's relaxing fun. game. I think it's 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 what very it, chill. It is very chill, and it's I think it's pretty frictionless in terms of um, the turns are short. There aren't a, a lot of decisions to make. You you know, like if you don't have resources, you're not going to be making dresses. Um, if you don't have any gold cards, you're not going to be hiring anyone. If you're not going, you know, and if you, if there is like a process of eliminations, like at some point here are the only two things that you can do. Do you have enough money to do this one? No. Well, and here's the only thing that you can do. Right. It is kind of nice. And then also unlike the last ruins of Arnak, Mm -hmm. um, I never felt like I was just waiting for you to finish your turn. Right. Sometimes you would buy more workers and you would have a couple more turns, but it didn't feel like it went on forever. Even though... You know, our turns can like kind of fall out of sync and you might have a few more turns after I'm done for that round. It doesn't last forever. Right. Like the ruins of Arnak, 
you could continue your turn in that round for like right. several minutes. Because that's more of an engine building game. Yeah. And if my engine's firing a oh. hundred times better than yours, my turns are going to last way longer. And that so. got so boring for me <laughs> and it just made me feel even worse. But at least this time it goes pretty quickly. It's a pretty smooth game. Because once I learned it, I think that we we played it again right away, and it took like a half hour. It's a short game, yeah. And that is what I really find myself loving about Rococo. It is a game with some burn and some crunch as far as, you know, what you're thinking about, Mm -hmm. all the things you need to juggle. But it's a very manageable amount, and you're not slowing down to just like paralysis or just being like, oh, my God, I can't even think. It's It's... It's always moving. It's always quick. Yep. And when you get it going, it's a quick game. And it feels like an experience that could be an hour and a half or two hours. Mm -hmm. But it plays out in an hour to 45 minutes, I would say. Okay. It might. I mean, with two players, maybe a half hour. Because, yeah, it felt like it went by so fast, especially after the first game we played when I was first learning it Mm -hmm. and kind of reading all the cards and understanding what the visual instructions meant. Yeah. I feel like that second game went by so fast. It does go really quick. And that's what I love about it because... That was great. You know, sometimes when you're feeling like, I'm not into a really long game, I don't want anything too like crazy tonight, I feel like Rococo is a, a really nice, happy medium of being like, this is like a board game ass board game <laughs> with a lot a to do and a lot to think about because, you know, like board game. I love lots of games. Like I love yeah. Azul, which is a great, amazing game that I would recommend to everyone. But sometimes I'm like, give me something a little, I want more meatier. than Azul for sure. Yeah. I'm yeah. just like, yeah, well, you know, I was really wanting something to burn my brain a little bit. And yeah. I, this is, you know, this isn't the, this isn't the itch I was looking to scratch with a board game when I said let's play a board game. So I think mm-hmm. Rococo is like a really good balance of quick and speedy so you're not going to be stuck there for hours mm-hmm. and uh but it's got a lot going on that you can really you can really get a brain burn going and you can kind of really like be efficient and and do a lot of cool things and make cool combos and and feel like you're really doing something and by yeah. the end of the game and you look at all the things you've done and all the dresses you've built and all the the fireworks you've funded and the all the decorations you've funded mm-hmm. um it feels like you did a lot and it goes fast because it's only seven rounds. Yeah. And I do like those games that are like, you only have this amount of time. Yeah. Like you have seven rounds. Yeah. And you said it earlier. The deck is, well, I, you didn't say this earlier, but <laughs> the way <laughs> but the this deck. this is what I meant to say. The, the, there are tiers of cards. So all the level one cards are the first six cards on the deck and all the level six cards are the last six cards on the deck. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So the cards come out in a. A predictable but in random order. In a prescribed order. random order. In a prescribed <laughs> random order. And so that means in the second to last round, you're guaranteed to see at least one of those final scoring cards, which look different. They have Possibly a blue background. Possibly two. Possibly two. Right. And so it goes so fast that I remember yeah. one game where we flipped those out and we're like, oh! A blue one, and then for a minute, I thought I had built the deck wrong because I was like, I can't believe we're at the end of the game already. This has gone by so fast. And yeah. so um, that was the second game. That was the second one where it was just like, holy moly, are we done already? Yeah. I cannot even describe how amazing that is for a game because I love deep, heavy, crunchy, brain burnery games, mm-hmm. but they're hard to get to the table. Yeah. Um, and even 
playing solo or something. It's a real commitment. It is something that everyone in the room is going to have to sign up for. It, it takes a lazy Sunday or something sometimes. Yeah. And it's but, like, I like the brain burning games, but yeah, the time commitment for me is sometimes what counts me out. Yeah. And so I think that this one just hits a really amazing sweet spot for me for, yeah. for just that ratio. Um, and that is why as soon as I played Rococo and I, I had never played it, I backed it on Kickstarter knowing about the previous Rococo, but it kind of was out of print for a while, so I mm. couldn't get it, but I, I was very interested in it. To me, it's a theme I thought was really fun and interesting. I think a lot yeah. of people don't like the theme. Oh, which I is like ve- the theme. I know. <laughs> I, I just think, you know, it's that toxic masculinity, you know. Yeah, like, I was going to say, I was <laughs> like, I like it because it's just a theme about making garments. Yeah. And it's not a theme about there are some, taking you know, over land. <laughs> It's I, I just love different themes that... Yeah, like the tulip bubble. The tulip bubble. I love all those things. So I was very interested in Rococo because I am, you know, I just don't want to see those standard themes repeated again and again. And I was yes. like, this is super interesting. But I couldn't I couldn't find it at a reasonable price. So the minute Eagle Griffin announced Rococo Deluxe Edition, I backed it without hesitation, even though I had never truly looked into how the game actually played. I just heard really good things. And I took it out and I learned it and I played it and I was like, instantly, this is this is a great game. I could yeah. totally recommend this game. I could play it with you. I could play it with my family. I could play it with my most hardcore of gamer friends. Like mm-hmm. everyone I feel like would love Rococo. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. And I could tell basically right off the bat because after our first game, we talked about it. We'd had our discussion and then right away I was like, let's play again. Yeah. And I feel like that's a really good sign of just wanting to figure it out and it's interesting enough where I'm just like, I have to play it again to see if I can do it. And even if I can't do it, it's still going to be interesting. And and it's also nice because we had the time to do it again, mm-hmm. right? We could still, we still had the time to dive back in and it wasn't so exhausting where I was just like, oh my gosh, I can't discuss it right now. I don't want to look at this game yeah. for another weekend. But it was one of those where I was like, I learned it. And then right away I was ready to play it again. Mm-hmm. I had said just a moment ago, that the previous Rococo was... Garbage. I didn't say that. (laughs) I had said it was out of print and difficult to find. Yes. Now Rococo is back in print. Deluxe edition. Deluxe edition is back in print. Cool. And, well, (laughs) uncool. I'm going somewhere bad with this. Oh, no. Um, Now Rococo Deluxe Edition is back in print, and I would wholeheartedly recommend that anyone interested in any level of game pretty much check it out if they had the opportunity but because it came back in the deluxe edition it is a hundred and ten dollars msrp that's spendy it is pretty spendy it is easily three or four games even yeah um and it also has such a big lavish production it takes up a lot of space on the shelf and i know i feel like we have been Harping on this since the beginning of this very short-lived podcast, mm-hmm. but we just happen to have played a few really big games back to back. Yeah, um, I was just gonna say, why is it so expensive? Well, because it's such a crazy production. It's not I mean, that it's crazy got, though. Well, I guess like the lace and the thread. The lace and the thread. It's got like thingies. It's got the molded insert. It has what molded insert? Like the in the box, it has like you know. Remember the trays like come out and become like pieces you can put at the table that hold the resources. Oh, I just think of those trays like they look like trash. <laughs> they're little plastic. <laughs> well, they're very expensive. They're the flimsy plastic <laughs> trays. But I guess I'm not in product. Design. I mean, in a normal game though, it's an empty box, and you just fill it with plastic bags and 
pieces or whatever. Good point. Yeah. So this one has a storage solution, although it doesn't <laughs> quite work like it should, but that's an Eagle Griffin thing that is historically just, they make these crazy inserts that they just don't quite make right that you uh, would use the pieces. It's that would actually drive really me crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a, yeah, it's a thing. But it also has like the velvet bags, yeah, which, that's true. you know, everyone feels Whatever. different about velvet bags. They're kind of gross, but also, yeah, and they have a white velvet bag, which is just going to get nasty and dirty yeah. so soon. It's already looking kind of gnarly. But yeah, it's, it's a big production. I think, yeah, I, do... I guess there are, because all I think of is like, I'm a, it's a cardboard. But even like, the tiles themselves the, are kind of that thick, heavy, that dense cardboard. Thick cardboard and then cards. And I'm just like, but 110 bucks. <laughs> Dang. You didn't even know it was 110 Parks bucks. Parks is like 50 bucks. Parks is 50 bucks. It's a much smaller game. Yeah, but I think it, Parks is nicer. Personally. I'm, 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 I'm like not disagreeing. I think down. That's, that's the difference between, <laughs> I mean, that's like a difference of taste. There's a difference yeah. between stylish and minimal yeah. and opulent and deluxe. And I think that's the difference. That's between, true. I guess it is the deluxe version. Yeah. I feel like there's people's houses and, and all sorts of different things that people have that they're like, this is amazing. And I'm like, this is just opulent. Yeah. And it is unstylish and uncool. I'm not saying that's about... This is just golden toilets. I'm not saying that's the Rococo <laughs> Deluxe Edition. <laughs> but... Yeah. I, 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 I'm picking up what you're putting down. I am very surprised by that price. I mean, it is a very nice game. But I feel like that, that price is going to cut some people out, possibly. From playing it and i think the size is much like it it will take up a whole humongous table and you know i think it is something that i would recommend to a lot of people but it's a little bit too opulent to be realistic i think for mm-hmm. a lot of people as well it's quite an, right, I, I mean w- it's a good investment it's a good game but yeah, if you're a, a casual game. gamer you could get two or three more games for that same price i mean i also recommend two or three really great games at my at like my day job i recommend games and people are like oh how much that costs and i'm like oh it's like you can get it for 45 bucks or something like ticket to ride or something and they're like 45 bucks yeah i'm like okay well well so that being said i I think it's unfortunate that there isn't a rococo revised edition and then a rococo deluxe edition yeah i would like to see what the revised version is like because i think it is a little bit too big for its own britches as far as the production but Mm -hmm. that's a small quibble that's a personal taste thing i am limited in my shelf space so i am always thinking about each Mm -hmm. big box that i get how many boxes half that size could i get the answer is two (laughs) 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 the other thing i will mention is it has a solo mode which I'm just going to call out because I'll always call it out because I personally am you... much more likely to buy a game if it has a solo mode. Yeah. I've played the solo mode several times, many times actually, and it is quick and good. It gets you playing the game. It uses all the same rules as the uh, multiplayer game, which is always really important. On your turn, you're playing the same game. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like solo games as much when you play a different game that's slightly tweaked. I don't know if it's the most challenging thing. I feel like it was pretty easy oh and i don't know if there's that's a way. not always the case for solo yeah modes. i mean it's it's not easy i guess like it was close but i i i did not lose my first couple uh, so which it's about as we talked as about in pandemic <laughs> as we talked about like sometimes when you play a solo game you want it to be pretty challenging because if yeah. you just crush it every time you're like well i just crushed like, it real good that time yep. that's pointless well if i ever want to win i'll play this game the deluxe edition also comes with expansions in the box, which we didn't 
you didn't play with, but oh, yeah. I have played with. Yeah, we have not played with expansions. I'm not going to go into crazy detail about the expansions, but the main expansion is called the Jewelry Box expansion, and Ooh. it introduces the concept of jewelry. It introduces two concepts. It introduces the concept of jewelry, and every time you complete a outfit, you can pair it with a piece of jewelry, which gains you a slow drip of income, and they're worth a couple points. It also introduces examinations. Does that sound exciting? I like jewelry. Not examinations? Um, like examining jewelry? No, exam- like tests. Like, oh, tests? Like mm-hmm. like a pap spear? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's that kind of test, but <laughs> the basic gist is you can perform certain actions with your bronze level apprentices. Mm. And once you do four, you can take an exam and you get to ditch that card Take a deck of all new unique cards of mm-hmm. journeymen and they level up to a journeyman. Cool. So you kind of have to do guided actions with this bronze apprentice and then they become a better card. That's totally new to this game. And then That's you fun. and then you can do it again up to gold. Oh, cool. Okay. Um, and then you can do it again if you if you're able to, you could do that multiple times during the game. So it's a way of basically leveling up your cards. Yeah, that's awesome. I think that both expansions add complexity they just add a few little nuances here and there i would not consider either of them essential by any stretch of the imagination just extra little icing on top yeah i would say after you play a few times it adds some things but it also adds fiddliness it adds upkeep between turns it adds it was kind of something where you do something with your apprentice and then you kind of realize the turn later you're like oh you know what i did this action with my apprentice i should have marked that off on my my examination over here mm. it takes yeah. away a little bit of that frictionlessness it adds a little friction Ooh. it slows things down not in a good way in a kind well not oh. per, not personally not for in a me good way. not personally for me it adds complexity which is good if you are just looking for a little bit more but it also just kind of like makes it a little bit more fussy so that being said, it's cool it comes with it. But again, I wish it was an option where you could buy into the expansion separately. Oh, and not... yeah, that's right. Because it comes with the deluxe version. Yeah. So you're probably paying for it even though you might not. Yeah, you're paying for it even it. though you're not. It used to be a standalone expansion. Now it's included in the deluxe edition. That's interesting. Hmm. Most of the time I'll probably play without it. Yeah, I so. know. We've never, I didn't even know there was, well, no, I think that sounds familiar. <laughs> Jewelry sounds familiar. Okay. <laughs> But yeah, we've never played it and I'm I'm totally fine without it. I think it's probably a more exciting package without it. But yeah. it's nice to have it. But that's just kind of my thoughts on the expansion. So cool. Well, that's good to know. That being said, any final thoughts on Rococo? Nope, I think I said everything. <laughs> <laughs> nope, I don't do have any give it one I second. don't have a way to I mean it's a. Uh, I'm I'm not even gonna try to sum it up. Do you I wanna feel say like... I like Rococo? Mm. No? Okay. I'll say yeah, I like Rococo. I am glad I got to play it because you bought it. <laughs> I don't think I would spend $110 on this game. I mean, how many games would you spend $110 on? I mean, I I probably would have spent 110 bucks on Parks. <laughs> <laughs> like, with all the expansion and stuff like that, with everything that comes, like, it's in all of its everything. I probably, I, it's such a beautiful game. I just think it's so pretty. I maybe... How much does Terraforming Mars cost? I think like 60, 70. That seems like a game. Maybe that's just because you get more bang for your buck. Like that is a big game. Like yeah. that 
takes a long time. You get a lot of playing out of that game. I just can't believe this game is 110 bucks. <laughs> I'm just That's just like that. an Eagle Griffin thing. Like all their games are 110 bucks. Oh, hair flip, hair flip. <laughs> <laughs> that's not all. Just, that's not true. That's, that's just that, their thing. This line, that size box of Eagle Griffin games are always 110. dollars Yeah. And, and you see, I have like a whole shelf on my bottom shelf of my game. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Which are all my, Eagle Griffin games. My personal opinion, it's a great. It's it's a fine game. It is. It's fun to play. I really did enjoy it. But there are so many more games I would buy before rococo like i just feel lucky that i just feel lucky that you bought it and you brought it to me you feel graced by my presence i do feel graced <laughs> by your presence sir <laughs> that's kind of like where i end i think it's great but i i wouldn't pay 110 bucks for it i think that's totally fair i i already basically said my final thoughts which is i think it's mm-hmm. an amazing game i think it's super excellent and it hits a really s- great sweet spot for me yeah and um, while I do have reservations about the size and all those things, at the end of the day, I don't want to say money is no object to me, but I, I do not li- I do not look at my collection and games and say this one is I paid too much for this one and I didn't pay enough for this one. Yeah, or anything like that. It's just like a great game is a great game, and I'm happy to you, add it to my shelf. So yeah, you never have any regrets because you're just like, eh, well, that was an experience. I'll just get rid of it. Yeah, like if you don't like it, right. and. I think, yep. I think for you and me, it's really great because I think I like games that don't take three hours. Like every now and then, I mean, I have played Terraforming Mars and I did really enjoy it, Mm -hmm. but I have to be in the mood to play a three hour game. Right. Um, And this way, yeah, you get that itch scratched for a chunkier game and I get my kind of quick (laughs) game, like in and out. You get to lose quickly. Yeah. (laughs) Rip the bandaid off. Cool. Well, that is Rococo Deluxe Edition. All right. So previously, we had mentioned Motainai might be the next game we would talk about. Is that still on the... I'm up for that. In the cards? Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Okay. I think that sounds great. I would love to... Let's let's kick it back a little bit and do a... Yeah. Let's let's get a nice little card game in there. That sounds great. All right. Well, for anybody that would like to learn more about us, you can always follow us on social media. Um, Twitter is shuffle underscore buddies. And then Instagram is shuffle underscore buddies underscore pod. Mm -hmm. And then we have shufflebuddies.com where there's little bios about us too if you're ever interested in seeing what's up. Yep. Oh, yeah. And we have our little board game geek widget on there. Uh, you can see what Evie the dog looks like. Um, and then you can see also all the platforms that we are playing on. Um, yep. Like Apple Podcast, uh, Stitcher, Pocket Cast. All sorts Spotify. of stuff. Spotify. You can find links to like them, that them kind all of stuff. on the listen page of yeah. our website. And if you don't want to download, if you are a casual listener and don't have a podcast thing, you can stream it right from the website too. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we did our due diligence there. Rate, review, and subscribe. <laughs> It's fun. Like I, I get sucked into it. I'm just like, oh my gosh, we have seven people reviewing us on the <laughs> Apple Store or on the Apple Podcast thing. That's so cool. But it's just fun hanging out with you, Chris. Yeah, it's as fun always, to be able to do this podcast. I enjoy it as always, and I'm looking forward to the next one already. I'm looking Neat. forward to playing some more Matinee. It's been a little while. Yeah, it has been a while. I'm very excited, and now I'm off to write a song for this podcast oh, for yeah. this episode. Had to figure that out. What? Ooh. Oh, that's right. I think I'm going to do something like with a harpsichord. Okay. Bling, bling, bling. Done. 
Hey, I just came back from recording the intro song, and this time it's a little bit different because it's not an original. I just had this song stuck in my head from days past, and I figured uh, it would be perfect for Rococo. So it's actually by J.S. Bach. It's from this piano book that I have called Selections from Anna Magdalena's Notebook. Uh, And it's just called Menuet. I think it's called something different technically, officially, but it's Menuet on page 26. And it says uh, BWV Anhong 132. So for anybody that cares, uh, that's what the intro song is this week. Okay, and now we will take our fancy shoes, shuffle away. Shuffle, 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 shuffle. 